Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Uh, this weekend, we have devoted this weekend of Kingdom Rise. Remember, we're talking about kingdom principles. We're talking about understanding the kingdom lens and kingdom perspective that the Word of God is actually written in. The, the Word is not actually a religious uh, book. Uh, this is not about Christianity. This is not about a religion. In fact, my pastor, I just saw this. I think it was yesterday, actually. I just saw this statement that he made. And he said, if you don't understand the first two chapters of the Bible and the last two chapters of the Bible, the rest of it becomes religion. If you don't understand Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 and Revelation 21 and Revelation 22, then everything in between just becomes religion. Because those four chapters, the beginning and the end, highlight the value of the kingdom of God and that God is a king and that he was not desiring to merely establish um, a religion, religious practice. You know what you don't find in Genesis chapter one and two? You don't find pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers. You don't see people meeting once a week in a corporate environment like this, singing songs, there's no song sung, sung in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Not saying there's anything wrong with this. Just hear me out. These are the weekends where we kind of, we, we hit some controversial stuff and we, we nail down some things. You got to understand everything in between is an attempt to get back to Genesis 1 and 2. God's original plan, God's original design, God's original purpose is an attempt. There is no plan B with God. There is plan A and it's how do we restore plan A? How do we get back to what man gave up, lost voluntarily by transgression, by sinning and disobeying the word of the king? Lost what was in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the perfect environment, a perfect state, perfect place. And so we have to understand that when we're looking at the kingdom of God and we're trying to understand what is our value and what is our purpose— to make a weird statement, you're not going to find it in church alone. You're not going to find it in singing a song alone. You're not going to find it in, in a five-fold ministry gift alone. You're not going to find it in preaching a sermon or hearing a sermon. You're not going to find it in those things. What we have to get back to is the lens or the perspective that we view all those things. And that is the kingdom of God. God is a king. And he desired to establish and set up a government system in the earth that he oversees, that he's extending from heaven to earth, but then immediately he's placed you in the earth to bring heaven to earth, to bring the culture of heaven here. And so Genesis chapter 1 and 26 show us this clearly, that God created man in his image and in his likeness. He says, if I'm going to have them do what I'm doing up here, then they're going to need to have my abilities and my capacities. So he says, I'm going to make them in my image and in my likeness. I'm going to give them, I, I will be the template for mankind. Because what I'm doing in heaven, I need them to do on the earth. Then the second thing he gets them, he gives them is authority. He says, let them have dominion. Dominion means to rule. It means to manage. It means to oversee. It means to control. It means to govern. And so that was 
That was our assignment in the earth. And so all of mankind, all of the intent, all of the interest, all of the values of man there in Genesis 1 and 2 was to bring heaven to earth. You know what did exist before man sinned? Work and assignment. God gave man a job to do. I know we think that before uh, they ate of that tree that they were just frolicking around a garden naked and just doing nothing in paradise, but they had work to do. Work is not a result of the fall of man. Hard work is the result of the fall of man. He says, now you will strive and toil. That which would come easy now is going to come with difficulty. But work was always a part of the assignment of man, not to lay around and do nothing. And guess what? When you get to heaven, there's going to be some work to do. We're not going to lay around on, not going to play harps on, on clouds of, you know, we're not going to do that. We've got assignments to do. We've got work to do. Amen. We've got a kingdom to advance. God has not stopped advancing his kingdom from the beginning to the end. But we know that man voluntarily transgressed, sinned, disobeyed the word of the king. We said this, that your uh, uh, level of authority is directly tied to your level of submission. So if you don't remain under authority, you can't remain in authority. Come on, we follow this naturally. If you serve in our military, if you don't remain under authority, you're not going to be in authority much longer. It's not how it works. And so God has a, has a direct correlation to submission and authority. We just sang a song, you are my champion. When I open up my mouth, well, if you want your mouth to, if you want things to bow and things to break and things to fall when you open your mouth, then you got to sing the second song too. On my knees, I surrender. They're connected. You are my champion doesn't work without here I am, Lord, here I am. On my knees, I surrender. All I have is yours. So we, we have to understand this value that God places in the earth. He didn't give us authority to rule and reign to do whatever we want to do. He says, your ruling and reigning is directly tied to your ability to submit to me. I'm the king, but I've placed you on the earth to extend. So you and I are influencers. You are now uh, uh, responsible for bringing heaven to earth. So now we're talking about the individual that, honestly, if you look between chapters 2 and chapters 3 in Genesis, the one thing that changes besides the fall of man and, and besides the fact that now we're separated, the one thing that changes is that God's spirit becomes, is, is removed from man. The spirit of God was the capacity through which you are changed so that you can change what's around you. Because you can't change what's around you until what is in you is changed. Now, man in Genesis 1 and 2 was perfect. Man, Genesis 1 and 2 was, was, was man in a perfect state, not fallen, not sinful, and, and could house the Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit, as we're learning, uh, as we saw last night, comes to continue to reveal the values, the agendas, the culture, the heart of the king and his kingdom. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit changes you so that you can change the world. 
Now, because of man's sin and man's disobedience in Genesis chapter 6, God said, my spirit will no longer strive with man. My spirit cannot remain inside of man. My spirit cannot uh, continue to be housed. You and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit, but we can't be the temple of the Holy Spirit. If sin is there, sin has to be removed for the spirit to come. Sin and the spirit cannot cohabitate. Let me tell you, let's make another hard statement while we're at it. Jesus's purpose, really, honestly, everything that Jesus did in his ministry and in his assignment to go to the cross, to lay down his life, was for this purpose. I know for a long time we've said that he came to what? Die on the cross for our sins so that when we die, we go to heaven. It's actually deeper than that. Heaven's actually a byproduct of what Jesus was trying to accomplish in our lives. Jesus was not trying to get a people there. He was trying to get a kingdom from there to here. And the way you do that is with kings. You and I had to be restored back to that kingship. Honestly, everything that Jesus did was so that you could once again house the Holy Spirit Become the temple so he can change you, so you can change the world. The cross was so that you could house the Holy Spirit again. The blood shed was so that sin can be removed. Why? Because I need to get my spirit in, but I can't get my spirit in if sin is still in there. So let me take care of the sin issue so the Holy Spirit can come back and once again reside in you. Why do you think the first instruction he gives to the disciples is go and tarry and wait for what? the promise of the Father. And when the Spirit comes upon you, He will empower you. You will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You will be empowered. You'll receive power to what? Be my witnesses. To transform that, you've got to be transformed here. He breathed on them and he said, receive ye the baptism or receive ye the Holy Spirit. And then he goes and he tells them, now you need to receive a baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to receive the Holy Spirit upon your life. You need the Holy Spirit to do kingdom work. And we saw it last night. No one, none of the the individuals in the Old Testament that did you know, kingdom work, miracles, signs, wonders, any of that, did it without the Spirit of the Lord upon them. Gideon had the Spirit of the Lord upon him. Samson had the Spirit of the Lord upon him. David had the Spirit of the Lord upon him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon prophets, priests, and kings. Came upon individuals, but God wanted it even greater than that. God said, I want all my people to to house and be temples of the Holy Spirit. I need them to. Because you and I are the ones bringing the culture of heaven to the earth. But we cannot, see, when you lose the, the, when you lose the Holy Spirit, you, you, you lose the influence of the kingdom. When you lose the Holy Spirit, you lose the influence of the kingdom. And we need the influence of the kingdom. Why? Because we're in a world that is the direct opposite of the kingdom of God. That, that fights against the kingdom of God. So we need somebody teaching us, showing us, revealing us, demonstrating and empowering us to live the kingdom life on earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
Y'all doing good so far? So let's look at this first slide I've got up here. It'll show you just a few items that we knocked off uh, last night. Number one, the Holy Spirit is the governor in the kingdom. So remember, we're talking about a government. So we're talking about the role of the Holy Spirit in the kingdom of God. We have to assign him a government position. The Holy Spirit is the governor. Remember we said this, that when a nation conquers another nation, there is uh, uh, an element called colonization that shows up where the, the home country, the home nation, wants to extend its influence to a foreign territory. And the way it does that is by either placing citizens in the foreign territory or raising up individuals and training them in the culture of the home country. And they would place an individual in that territory called a governor. Now, I, I got to remind you, we can't think Americanized. We can't think American governors because guess what? In, in, in the United States, there's 50 states and there are 50 governors but they do not operate the way this governor operates. We're talking kingdom. We're not talking democracy. We're not talking about voting in and voting out because you get to vote in your governor, don't you? And you get to vote out your... And did you know that the president of the United States can make a decision, but each state's governor can fight or uh, oppose that decision and change? There, there are some states today that, that honor uh, homosexual marriages and there are some that don't. Because the governors of certain states can make a decision outside of the will or the interest of the president. It doesn't work that way in a kingdom. The governor can only reflect and represent the will and the intent and the purpose of the king. Also, another fact about that is in our country, we appoint governors. In the kingdom of God, the king appoints the governor. You and I don't have a say. We don't get to choose if the Holy Spirit's governor or not. We don't get to pick and choose who we want as governor. We don't get to pick and choose what, he, what we want him to do. We don't get to vote him in and vote him out. And we don't, it, the king has appointed the governor and he's appointed the Holy Spirit. The governor exists for the purpose of introducing and implementing the culture of the home country in a new territory. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. Because he will train us, he will reveal to us, he will teach us, he will guide us of the culture of the kingdom of God. Now, being in the planet, we're in a world that does not represent the culture of the kingdom of God. So we need the Holy Spirit more than ever. See, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the Holy Spirit was just keeping in place what was already there. Now we've got, now the Holy Spirit has a task of teaching us countercultural ideas because you and I were raised up in a sinful world. We were raised up in a natural world. We were raised up in a world that does not represent the kingdom of God. So now when I come into the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit shows up in my life when I'm saved, when I'm born again. I'm not just getting access to when I die, I go to heaven. I'm actually getting access to the kingdom of God today. And I'm officially mandated to bring heaven to earth. Well, to do that, I need someone to teach me the ways of the kingdom. I need someone to show me the culture of the kingdom. I need someone to teach me. People in the Old Testament needed the spirit of God. 
The disciples needed the Holy Spirit. You know what? Even Jesus himself did not do ministry until what? He received the Holy Spirit, descended upon him in the form of a dove. And so we've made this statement. Jesus did not do what he did on this earth as God. Jesus did what he did on this earth as a man, submitted to God and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We'll say that again. Jesus did what he did on this earth as a man, submitted to the Father, submitted to the King, submitted to God, and empowered by, if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, you better believe we do too. Amen? If Jesus did what he did as God, then all I can do is stand back and applaud. All I can do is stand back and say, wow, that was awesome. What a miracle. What a sign. But then when he makes a statement in John 14, 12, these works that I'm doing, you will do in even greater works. I can't apply that to my life if he did it as God. But since I know he did it as a man, submitted to the Father, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, well, guess what? You too ought to be a man or a woman submitted to the Father, submitted to the King, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So therefore, Jesus wasn't showing us what he could do. Jesus was showing us what we can do. Jesus wasn't showing us what he can do alone. He was actually giving us a living example of what a kingdom representative in the earth looks like fully submitted to God and empowered by the Holy Spirit. With the influence of the Holy Spirit from the inside out working in our lives. The governor's role requires that he brings the home country to a foreign territory, not bring people to the home country. Colonization does not work if we go into a foreign territory, convert those people, and then bring them back to the home country. If, if God's plan after man's sin was, okay, let me just get a plan in place so I can get man saved and redeemed so that when they die, they come home, then we don't have the expansion and the extension of the kingdom of God into the earth. All you have is just uh, taking individuals out of one territory and bringing them back to the home country. But that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was to create the earth and extend heaven to the earth. And the way you do that is by getting people in the foreign territory to live like they would in the home country, in the home nation. Y'all with me? So the governor's role requires that he brings the home country and its influence and its values and its plans, its purposes to the extended territory. I'll remind you that when Jesus uh, uh, existed, when Jesus walked this earth, he was living in an area called Judea, Palestine, that was under Roman rule. The Roman Empire operated this way, that when they conquered a territory or conquered an area, they would take even some of their own Roman citizens, place them in that area to infiltrate and bring, king, and bring Roman influence and bring their way of doing things. They would even make them learn a whole new language. They used to, they used to know, uh, they used to read and write in Hebrew. They started teaching them Latin. It started teaching them other languages. Isn't it amazing that the Holy Spirit, one of the first things he does is what? Change your language. Acts chapter two, they began speaking with what? All that is, is the native tongue. 
Every nation has its own language. Every nation has its own tongue. Why would it be any different for heaven to have its own tongue? And now I'm just learning to speak in line with the home country. Okay, so over this area, Palestine, there was a governor. Y'all remember his name? Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate. And even when the people of that area wanted to crucify Jesus, they still had to go to Pontius Pilate and get his approval of the matter. And, you know, at first he wasn't going to do it. He's like, I don't find any fault with the man. He's just a crazy lunatic. You remember their threat that they made to him? They said, we will go to Caesar. Well, Caesar? Caesar's the king in the home country back in Rome. We will appeal to Caesar and we'll let him know that there's someone down here trying to uh, calling himself a king, trying to rise up and create his own kingdom. That's treason. And so Pontius Pilate then began to act off of those threats. Why? Because we don't want to, the governor is given oversight of this area. We don't want to appeal to the higher power because the governor is supposed to be doing his job. He's supposed to be bringing the influence of Rome into that territory. That's his job. Okay? So, uh, the governor's role requires that he brings the home country. Uh, number three, a governor does not speak or act on his own authority. So just like the example I gave you in the United States, we don't operate this way. But in a kingdom, this is how they operate. They are a direct reflection and representation of the king and his will in a new territory. We know this because when Jesus introduces us to the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, he says that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will not speak on his own initiative. He'll not speak on his own accord. He will not say what he wants to say. He will not speak his own mind. He'll not tell you, well, this is what I think. This is what the king says, but here's my opinion on the matter. He's going to speak directly in line with what the king has said. Amen. And then lastly, what are some of the things that the, the Holy Spirit is uh, uh, introducing? And influencing, it's culture, and culture is comprised of a nation's language, its behaviors, patterns, even its diet, beliefs, interests, ideas, etc. All that makes up culture. And so when I come into the kingdom of God, these are all the ways I've got to now learn how to align myself with the kingdom of God. So my language will change. My behaviors will change. My patterns, you know, different nations on this planet, they have different patterns in their lives. You know, there's some nations, it's, it's, it's a, 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 a typical occurrence for them to take a nap in the middle of the day. That is a part of their pattern. They have different behaviors. You know, there's nations that drive on the opposite side of the road, right? Even, even with English words in some countries, the words mean something different in those areas. Okay, so that's just culture. And the kingdom of God has its own culture, has its own way of doing things. And when you remove the governor, you remove its influence for culture. When you remove the governor, when you remove the Holy Spirit, then you are also removing his influence to change culture and we lose sight of the culture of the home country. Amen. So those are just a, a few little recap points. Um, tonight, I want to give you five ways that the Holy Spirit works in the kingdom and in our lives. Five ways that the Holy Spirit works. I'm going to try to be uh, deliberate and intentional with these. 
and uh, believe that it'll help us continue to open our eyes to see the value of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you, the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit is the most important promise that God has ever made. When he said, I promise to, to give you the Holy Spirit, that was the most important promise. If we would have believers baptized in, filled with, and yielded to the Holy Spirit, it would solve every problem on this planet. Yes, it would. Because now we would be living according to the culture of the kingdom and not the ways of this world. And so I want to show you tonight five ways that the whole, or yeah, five ways that the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer. Number one, we pretty much hit on yesterday, uh, but I want to uh, just t- just touch it and then move on to the next one. Number one, he is to represent the governor is to represent and reflect the king in the new territory. He is to represent and reflect the king in the new territory. So the Holy Spirit, again, is a direct reflection. He's not, uh, you know, when Jesus said, I'm going to send you another helper, that word another means one just like me, the same as. He, he, he's not, you know, in a, in a class below. You know, I mean, why is it that the Holy Spirit gets treated differently than the Father or Jesus? We know a lot about the Father, God. We know a lot about Jesus, the Word. We talk about the two of them. And even in what we know, we're still misunderstanding and misrepresenting them. But the one that gets the least amount of airtime, even in churches, is the Holy Spirit. He's the one that, the, that believers are the most confused about. Some are even afraid of the Holy Spirit and the way that he works and the way that he operates and the way. And this is why, is because the Holy Spirit is spiritual. He's supernatural. And we are just a little more naturally minded than we'd like to admit. No, we need to be more, we should be more aware and value more the things of the spirit than we do the things of the world, the natural. We do. We need to to value the things of the spirit. And that includes the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is directly appointed by the king, he's the governor, to directly represent and reflect so anything that the Holy Spirit says, God says. There's no, there's no difference. There's no distinguishing. There, there, there's, there, there's, there's no breakdown in communication. You ever done that? You know, maybe you've been in a position of leadership and, and you've communicated down to someone, maybe over an area, and, and, and this is what I want them to know, and then this is how I want them to know it. But there seems to be a, 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 a losing of, of communication. Something gets lost in translation, right? Either the strength or the value of it or, or, or the words themselves. Remember that telephone game? We start on this then, we get down here, and by the time you know, I give you a statement, by the time we get down here, it's all butchered up and messed up. Well, there's none of that. There's no delineation between God, the Father, the King, and the Holy Spirit, the Governor. None. If you hear the Holy Spirit, it's in the same tone. <laughs> 
It's the same word. He, he, he's not, he's not you, know, uh, you know, breaking down the communication at all. He's not trying to water it down and says, well, let, let me soften that up a little bit. He's giving it to you just the way the king would say it. And so the Holy Spirit is a direct picture and image of God. He is the spirit of God. The Bible tells us that nobody knows God more than the spirit. Nobody knows the mind of a man than the spirit of a man. Nobody knows the mind of God more than the spirit of God. He is a direct reflection. Jesus, told, Jesus showed us this. Jesus told us this in John chapter 14. We saw that last night, so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that. But the, the second thing the Holy Spirit does is he confirms our sonship and citizenship. It is the role of the governor of a territory to confirm who they now really belong to, their citizenship, their rights, their privileges, their benefits, that you're no longer of this world. You, you might be in the world, but you're not of the world. That, that he is com- constantly reinforcing this. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, it says this, you, however, are not in the flesh. Who's he talking to? He's talking to a church. He's talking to believers. You, however, are not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Um. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Those that are led by the spirit of God, it goes on to say later on, they are sons of God. The Holy Spirit is given to you and I, citizens of the kingdom of God, to remind us that we belong to another nation. We belong to another. So the governor's constantly coming back into our lives and constantly saying, you're you're in the world, but you're not of it. Don't let that affect you. We don't operate that way. He's reminding you, your citizenship is in a different place. Now, now we have taken that statement um, and, and we've created this idea that I'm just on this earth passing through. And it lowers the value and lowers the impact of the, of, of the purpose that, of you being in the earth. Might even be a song, I don't know. I'm just passing through until I get to the homeland. No, you're in this territory to convert and align this territory with the kingdom of God. We have a purpose while we're passing through. In fact, you were placed here for that exact specific purpose. Don't miss your moment. And so the Holy Spirit, the governor, is in our life, and he's saying, let me show you the values of the kingdom. 
Let me show you how we do things. Let me show you how the king operates. Let me show you how the kingdom operates. You're a son. You're a citizen. You don't belong to this world. You know, he's reminding us condemnation, shame, guilt, uh, brokenness, sickness and disease, all these different things that come on people in this world, they shouldn't have it. You, we shouldn't be battling or struggling with those issues because you belong to a different home country. Yeah. So when the economy's breaking down and you want to look like everybody else in the world that, 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 that's feeling like, you know, all hope is lost and I'm going to lose everything and gas prices are going. No, the Holy Spirit from the inside will start speaking and saying, that doesn't affect you. You have a different economic plan. Your economic plan's in the kingdom of God. Your king owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What are you worried about down there? He's going to provide for you. Hello? <laughs> Sickness and disease. When we've got pandemics going on and we've got viruses going on, no one knows how to cure it. No one knows how to do this and no one knows how to do that. And we're all shacking up. No, the Holy Spirit's saying, man, by his stripes, you were healed. Our king has a different health plan. Come on. Our government has a different health plan. (laughs) Hello? You got a different health plan. It's called the blood of Jesus. And he didn't miss anything. When he took those stripes on his back, they didn't miss, they, they didn't all of a sudden come up with a new disease that, that, that God was like, oh man, I missed that one. Got to do it all over again. Sorry, that was not covered under our health plan. It's all covered with no copay. I tell you, God's kingdom, God's government is the best thing you'll ever. I, man's attempts are futile and, 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 and will fail you every time, but God's kingdom will not fail you. He's got a health plan. He's got an economic plan. He's got an education plan. He's got it all covered. And so this governor, he's in our lives to say, man, let me tell you how we do it back in the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, you're a son of God. You're, you don't have to beg and borrow and plead. You are a child. You come boldly before the throne of grace. He reminds you, you're a citizen of a different kingdom. You know, when, when we have ambassadors in foreign territories, I got to do this in a Nicaragua, in Managua, Nicaragua. I got to go see the embassy. And man, you go into Nicaragua, I mean, it's third world. But when you get up on the property of the embassy, oh my gosh, the grass is green. They've got air conditioning. They, they've got all the stuff. And so it's funny because when, when you are there from the homeland of the United States, you don't look like the people of that territory. Y'all aren't getting it. Y'all are, y'all, where are y'all at? We, we've already done this. You are an ambassador for Christ. You are here on assignment. But this world does not define you. This world, you are not limited to its resources. You are not limited to its, its, its downfalls and its failures. We belong to the kingdom of God, the government of heaven. And you are not limited. And any resource that an American ambassador needs in another country, as broken or as fallen state as it might be in, it has every resource of the home country of the United States backing it. And it's never, those ambassadors are not worried about the economy breaking down, about, uh, you know, political outrage taking over, uh, uh, about, uh, you know, whatever brokenness is taking place in that society. They're there on assignment. And so are you. 
And so the governor's in, in that mansion with you. The governor's in that embassy with you. The governor's in that house with you, dwelling with you. Jesus said he'll remain with you forever. Letting you know that there's another government backing you. There's a home country supplying you. <laughs> Man, I, we could go home on that point right there. The Holy Spirit is, is, is joy, right? Power in the Holy Ghost. I mean, it, it's, it, you're not, the, Jesus says, the peace that I give you, the world can't give you. Why? Because you got a different kingdom that's supplying. I get my joy from somewhere else. I don't get my joy from the economy. I don't get my joy from who's in charge. I don't get my joy from if my bills are paid. I don't get my joy from what the doctor says. I've got joy from a different place. The kingdom of God. Okay. So he comes to reveal and to reflect, represent the king himself. Wherever you see the Holy Spirit, you see the Father. He confirms our sonship and citizenship. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says it this way. In Ephesians chapter 1. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with what? The promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. He is a guarantee that what we have uh, in the kingdom of God is backing us, supporting us, and resourcing us even in this earth. He, we are sealed with that guarantee. We are sealed with that promise. He's constantly letting us know, you are a son of God. You are a child of God. You are a daughter of God. And you are a citizen of heaven. I mean, if you go to another country, even as a citizen of this country, you're, there's still going to be certain privileges and certain benefits. And I want you to know you're on government assignment in the kingdom of God. You're a government official. You've been called to rule and to reign. We're conducting official kingdom business while we are here in this earth. So we don't get to, to mope and complain and grumble when things get bad. Because we, we, we belong to a different kingdom. We belong to a different territory. Amen. And the governor's reminding of this, reminding this of, uh, reminding us of this. Number three, the governor reveals the mind of the father, the mind of and the will of the Father, the King. He's revealing to us the mind and the will of the King. What the King wants is important. In fact, Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he taught us to pray this way. Our Father, who is where? He's in heaven. Our Father who are in heaven. That's important. Our Father who are in heaven. How would be your name? Your kingdom come and your will be done. How am I going to pray for the will of the Father to be done if I don't know what the will of the Father is? Well, guess what? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, knows the will of the Father, knows the will of the King. A governor has to know the will of its King. You're not going to be doing a very good job as governor if you're placed in a foreign territory 
but you don't know what the king wants accomplished in, from the home country. You, you cannot fulfill your assignment in a foreign territory if I don't know what the king wants. And so the Holy Spirit, the governor, is letting us know what the will of the king is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10, these things God has revealed to us, how? How? Through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world. Look at that. We have not received the Spirit of the world. This is what you got to understand. The governor of a colony cannot come from the colony. The governor of a territory, a foreign territory, cannot come from the foreign territory. Why? because it's too consumed with the foreign territory to ever be able to change it. And if you're consumed by it, then you can't change it. Hello. So the Holy Spirit came from the Father, our Father who art where? In heaven. And Jesus said, when I go, I will pray that the Father will send you another from heaven, meaning that the Holy Spirit doesn't think about the world the way the world thinks about the world. He thinks about the world in view and in light of what the Father wants from heaven. So he didn't give us the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. This is why a lot of believers don't walk in their divine rights and privileges. There's even believers when I make the statement rights and privileges already lock up. Well, I'm just a lowly, humble servant. I'm just here to do the work of the Lord. And, and, and you know, it's okay if I just barely, you know, I will suffer for Jesus. No, you need to know what rightfully belongs to you. Citizens know what belongs to them. You know, most of us don't even know what belongs to us in this country. You know, Pastor Paul Brady and his, his wife, they'll be here uh, next month doing our Kingdom Rise in September. And they're from Ireland. They just became uh, natural U.S. citizens in 2020. They had been here 10 years. He had to take a test to become a, a United States citizen. You know what? I, he, was writing, he was spouting off some of this stuff to me, and I was like, you know, I, I don't even know if I know the answer to some of those things, and I was born here. We take for granted the stuff that we were born into. Hello. So we get born into the kingdom, but then we don't ever take the time to discover what belongs to us. And you know what? The devil's pulling wool over a lot of believers' eyes because they don't even know that what he's taken from them is rightfully theirs, and what he's putting on them they can rightfully reject. Hello. We do this in our own country, just naturally speaking. Just imagine how we do this spiritually in the kingdom of God. But no, the Holy Spirit, he will let you know what rightfully belongs to you. 
Now, where is it contained? In the word. But if I read this as a religious book, and I don't understand that this is a kingdom document, this is a government document that spells out what belongs to me, what my benefits are, what my privileges are, what the law is, where, where if, if I get out of line here, I'm out of alignment with, with the kingdom and the king, I'm breaking a law, I'm getting outside of a boundary, then yeah, if, if I'm just reading this to, to just check a box or this is just religious activity, then I won't recognize that this is the very thing that defines who I am. I, I, I tell people all the time, if you get born again, the first book you need to go to is Ephesians. Because that's what Ephesians is. The first three chapters of Ephesians are who you are. And the last three chapters of Ephesians are what to do. Because you can't know what to do until you know who you are. But we live in a world that tells you, you don't know who you are until you know what to do. And God says, no, 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 no. You won't even know what to do until you discover who you are. So when you come into the kingdom, guess what? The Holy Spirit introduces you to you. He introduces your old self to your new self. Old man, meet new man. Now, old man, die. New man, live. Put to death the former things. That's all in Ephesians. Put on the new man, the renewed man. Hello. Hallelujah. I hope this is going somewhere. I told you I like it when it's quiet, but sometimes I get a little concerned. No, but he goes on to say in verse 13, we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom. Guys, the Bible is not learned, it's revealed. That's the first danger we make. Now, I went to ministry school, I went to Bible school. My ministry school was a little different than, my, I, I did not go to cemetery, I mean seminary. I didn't go to a theological you know, university or anything. I went to a ministry school. I was taught the word, the power of the word, and how to do ministry and empower others to do the word. I'm not against learning. I'm not against growing. I'm not against uh, studying. In fact, the Bible tells us we are to study the word. Be studiers of the word. But at the end of the day, the word of God doesn't come into your life because you learned it. It comes into your life because the Holy Spirit revealed it. I mean, Jesus told Peter, he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven, my Father who is in heaven. So we're not coming to you with natural words taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are what? Spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Who knows the mind of God better than the Spirit of God? And didn't Jesus say when, you re, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will teach you and he will guide you into all truth? 
He will lead you into all truth. He is the greatest teacher on the planet. I told you earlier that in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we didn't need pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers. Why? We had the Holy Spirit. Now, today we need that because we're in, we, we are not in the state that we were in Genesis 1 and 2. And so there's a lot of supplements we have. But even, uh, e- even uh, Paul wrote that the day will come when we won't need those gifts any longer. That the Holy Spirit will be our teacher. The Holy Spirit will reveal. That's the way God designed it all along. It's not devaluing the ministry gifts. I'm in one of those ministry gifts. But I'm not doing my job if I'm not teaching you to be led and listen to the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit and listen to the Holy Spirit. If I'm creating an environment where you are more uh, dependent on me than the Spirit, then I'm failing in my assignment. I'm failing in my assignment. The greatest thing I can do for you is teach you to be led by the Spirit and how to hear the voice of the Spirit. Okay. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. What is our weakness, Paul? For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts, this is the verse I want to key in on here, He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. Watch this. According to the will of God. So point number three is that the Holy Spirit reveals the mind and the will of the King. The governor reveals the mind and the will of the King. But this leads me right into my fourth point. Number four. Um, nope, not going to lead me into point number four. Did I do, I did that different. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you point number four and it's going to be different than what you see up there. He helps us pray in line with the king. Now this is important. Number four is he helps us pray in line with the king. If he reveals the mind and the will of the king, And I'm instructed to pray in line, to pray that the will of the king would be done on earth as it is in heaven, then guess what? My prayers are gonna have to go beyond just my natural ability in comprehension. Y'all with me? Y'all still hung up on I got my points wrong. I don't do slides very much. This is why. He helps us, assists us in praying in line. Now, you and I, this is, the, this is why, you know, I don't have time to get into all this. I wish I could. We, we could stay here all night. I could keep going and just let y'all file out at your convenience and see who's left in a little while. Prayer is not my vent session with God. Prayer is not my opportunity to tell God everything that's going wrong in my life. Prayer is not my opportunity, watch this, to get him to do something for me. Oh, I just lost some people on that one. Because we do that. We, God, I need you to heal this sickness. And you know what he's saying? I already did. 
God, I need you to, to provide provision. You know, I'm, I'm running a little short this month. I need your provision. He's saying, I've already done that. It's all been done. Prayer is hearing the voice and getting the will of the king. What do you want to do about this situation? Jesus did not pray for one sick person in his entire ministry. <laughs> I see the locked up looks already. What did he, the multitudes, he healed them all. Yes, he did, but he did not pray for one of them, not in the, in the sense that you and I do, where we line them up in the front and we have this. He commanded sickness to go and it left. He never said, God, I need you to come down and do something about this sickness. When he was in the middle of a storm, did he cry out to God and say, oh, heavenly father, if it be your will, stop this storm so we can get to the other side. Did he do that? What did he do? He spoke to the storm. Peace, be still. Well, Pastor Mark, when he went to raise Lazarus, he stopped and he prayed. Read the prayer. He already knew what was going to happen. He said, I'm not praying for my benefit. I'm praying that when I perform this miracle, everybody around me will believe in you. Then what did he do? Lazarus, come forth. He didn't say, Father, please bring Lazarus back to life. But this is what consumes our prayer life, guys, as much of it as we have. And this is why we don't pray is because they don't work because we're doing it wrong. No, Jesus, when he talked about prayer, was a lot different than when you and I talk about prayer. Prayer was not just religious activity for Jesus. Jesus would spend all night in prayer to hear the heart and the will of the Father. Come down off of that mountain and then enact the will of the Father. When you get done praying, you should have an assignment. When you get done praying, you should be ready to do something. You know what most believers do is when they get done praying, all right, God, I got all that off my chest. Now you do something about it. And we are left, at, we, we are left as passive participants, just waiting for God to answer our prayers. Now the Bible tells us to make our petitions known. It tells us to, to, to you know, make those things known. But at the end of the day, I am wanting to hear what does the king want to do about this situation? Now, where does the governor come into place? When I understand the role of prayer now, and when I understand that I'm trying to hear the voice of God and understand the will of the Father, well, guess what? In my natural ability alone, I'm going to be limited. If I told you I can tell you how to pray, and you would have a 100% guarantee of praying in line with the will of the Father. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? I can tell you how to pray tonight. And I can guarantee 100% of that prayer and 100% of the time, he hears it and it will be directly in line with the will of the Father. When he says, pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I can guarantee, I can guarantee if you pray this way, you will 
pray in line with the Father. How, how many, just like, give me a show of hands. Who would want to know how to pray that way? Why wouldn't you want to know? A hundred percent. Because in my natural ability, I, I don't know. I'm not guaranteed that a hundred percent. Why? Because my, my comprehension's limited. My thinking's limited. My knowledge of the situation is limited. My knowledge of what the Father wants to do is limited unless it's revealed to me by the Holy Spirit. Well, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 tells us this. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. What is the weakness? For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. So what's the answer? The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I want groanings that are too deep for my natural ability alone. And and man, if I had to rely on my own natural ability, I'll pray the best prayer I can in English in my own natural language. But now I have an assistant, a governor that knows the mind and the will of the king. The Holy Spirit prays the perfect prayer every single time. He's never missed it once. Never. You have a 100% guarantee that when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you are praying in line with the mind and the will of the king in the home country. How do you want to handle this situation here in this territory? I'm praying beyond my understanding. We get so hung up on, I'm praying without understanding. Yeah, you're praying beyond your understanding. You're able to reach into elements that you can't reach into on your own natural ability. And now this helper, this comforter, this counselor, this advocate, this standby, this one that Jesus promised would be sent to us if he got ascended to the, if he was ascended to the Father and sits at the right hand of the Father. He comes alongside us and he says, let me assist you in your petitions to the king. Praying in the spirit. Because he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints. Look at this, according to the will of God. So not only does he know the mind and the will of the king, he can help you pray in line with the mind and the will of the king. but it's a language I don't understand. Absolutely. It's beyond your understanding. You pray in English, you're limited to your natural ability. And yeah, we can pray with revelation. We can pray with understanding. We can pray with a level of fruitfulness, but there is still a level that you're gonna have to get to to do spiritual things, to do spiritual warfare, to bring the kingdom of God that is just going to be beyond your natural ability to comprehend, understand, or know. And we need the assistance of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul goes a little deeper, gives us a little more insight. Of course, 1 Corinthians 14 is mostly dealing with the public uh, aspect of the corporate setting and how tongues and the uh, tongues and interpretation of those things should be used. But he also alludes to the private, personal prayer language. That's what praying in tongues is. It is a heavenly prayer language. It is the language of the home country. 
and I'm in a foreign territory. But you know what? If, if, if somebody from a foreign territory comes to the United States and speaks in a foreign language from their territory, I don't get all bent out of shape about it. But I immediately recognize they're not from around here. <laughs> right? Oh, I have no idea what he's saying right now. I can't help you. But it didn't bother me. But then someone starts speaking in the language of heaven, and all of a sudden we get bent out of shape. Can't believe they'd be doing that around. I'm so offended. No. You should be saying, man, they're tapping into something that's not from around here. It's not weird. People have made it weird. People have flaked out. It's what I call uh, cereal Christians, nuts, fruits, and flakes. <laughs> I've been around all of them. I've been around the nuts, I've been around the fruits, and I've been around the flakes. And not one of them has deterred me from walking in the spiritual things of God. No, it hasn't. You say squirrels? <laughs> in 1 Corinthians 14, for if I pray in a tongue, this is what he says, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. He's saying, I'm not going to devalue one for the other. If I can pray this thing out in English, in what I know, and, and I can stand on God's word and align my prayer with his word. The Bible tells us if we ask anything, what? According to his will, it will be done. But you know what? There's going to be those times and moments. And I know you've had them. I know you've had frustrating prayers. I know you've had prayers where it feels like, I don't even know where to go with this. I don't even know how to attack this. I don't even know, you know how to come around this thing. I don't even know what I should be saying or praying. I need some assistance. And you know what? Jesus knew you would need assistance. That's why he said, I'm going to give you a helper. Now, here's the thing you got to understand about helpers. The governor is not here in the earth to do your assignment. A helper does not come alongside to do it for you. A helper comes alongside to do it with you. Y'all with me? Might be good for us to learn that about our marriages too because they are a help mate. They're not there to do it for us. They're there to do it with us. And the Holy Spirit is not a replacement for you and I because remember God said, I will create man in my image according to my likeness and let them rule. Them is a spirit possessing a soul living in a body. The Holy Spirit doesn't have a body. So he can't, he can't, bring the culture of heaven into the earth. He can just bring the culture of heaven into you, and then you have to bring the culture of heaven into the earth. So we need vessels, you and I, yielded to the governor, the Holy Spirit, listening to, okay, what does heaven do? And then I can enact that in the earth. I can implement that in the earth. So just like this in our prayer life. That doesn't mean I'm just praying in tongues and just, you know, I'm just going to spend 15 minutes. I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, I'm just going to mumble on. No, I'm tapping into something. Many times I will get an urge, if you will, to pray in the spirit. And I'll pray until the urge lifts. 
and I'll feel it on the ends. Okay, I got it. We're done. I don't need to go any further with that. And I'm doing my part and he's doing his part. And then if he gives me revelation, he gives me some understanding of what to pray out, which happens many times. I'll pray in the spirit and then I'll switch over to English and pray. And and then I'll start saying stuff that I didn't really know that I needed to be praying for, but it'll start coming out. Even in English, it'll come out. Why? Because he's he's revealing. That's what he does. He reveals things. But at the end of the day, my most powerful prayers and, and the strongest prayers I can pray are in line with the will of the Father. And when I don't know what that is, the Holy Spirit will step in and say, here, let let, let me slide in here and let me pray. Through you, uh, now we're praying in line with the will of the Father. He always prays according to the will of the Father. Amen. All right, so point number five, right? We're on point number five. He introduces the character and the culture of the kingdom. We already talked about the, 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 the main assignment of the governor is to introduce and implement the culture of a home country in a foreign territory. Well, this is what we would call the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Y'all doing okay? We just got two more. Hallelujah. Man, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Verse 16 says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Why? Because you're of a different kingdom. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You will not live according to the culture of the world you're in. You'll live according to the culture of the kingdom you're from. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They're countercultural. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And he begins to show us this contrast of the world that you, that you live in, this is how they behave. These are the patterns they keep. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So if we didn't hit yours, it's in the uh, and things like these. So we've got you covered. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit what? It's about a kingdom. It's about a government. You can't inherit the kingdom but live according to the world, is what he's saying. But the fruit of the Spirit is, the fruit of the Spirit is the Spirit showing you the culture and character of the kingdom that you are from. He's reminding you, you're a son of God. He's reminding you, you are a citizen of another nation, of another territory. This is how we behave. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I love that his list is way shorter than the world's list. Isn't that awesome? The devil will always have you pay a price that's higher than you're willing to pay, take you further than you want to go, right? But the kingdom of God, it's actually, it's actually harder 
to live in the, the ways of the world than it is the kingdom of God. And he's showing you the character and the culture of the kingdom of God, the home country. This is how we do things. You've been redeemed. You've been renewed. You don't need to be conformed to the patterns of this world, to that big long list that I gave you. You can now be transformed by the renewing of your mind and the Holy Spirit's teaching you and showing you, hey, we don't operate with hate. We operate with love. We don't operate with fear. We operate with peace. We don't operate with anxiety and depression. We operate operate with joy. And a lot of these yield other things. Faith works by love. And the joy of the Lord is your, maybe we're zapped in strength because we're not operating in joy. You see the difference. Verse 24 says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. What's that mean? When I get out of step, the Holy Spirit has been assigned, the governor has been assigned the role of correcting us and realigning us with the step of the kingdom of God. It's called conviction. You notice that God's not convicting. Jesus isn't convicting. The Holy Spirit has been given the job and the role of convicting of sin. It's the governor's job. The governor is in this territory and he knows you. He lives inside of you. Not only does he know your patterns and behaviors, he knows your thoughts and intents. He knows you inside and out. And when you get out of step, he convicts and says, ah, that's not how we do it in the kingdom. You're starting to look, you're starting to look like the world around you. And I need you to influence the world around you. You can't influence the world around you if you become the world around you. I need you to change it. You're an agent of change. And he convicts us so gently, so mercifully, so graciously. But he's convicting us and saying, and it's just simply you're getting out of alignment. Let's go back to the word and let, let, let me show you how we do it in the kingdom of God. If we live by the Spirit, he says, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The last one we want to show you tonight. Now I get this one right. Now it's got me worried about all, the, all of them up there. Empowering the citizens to demonstrate and execute the power of the kingdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The governor has been given gifts to accomplish his assignment and role of bringing heaven to earth. He's been given gifts And these gifts are more than what we maybe think or have been taught that they are. Verse 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. 
Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits, the discerning of spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. And to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So the king in the home country in heaven has established and extended his territory to a foreign territory called earth. In this earth, in this planet, he has placed citizens of the home country to extend the culture and the influence and the values of heaven in this environment. And over this territory, over these citizens, he has given a governor, the Holy Spirit, who is directly representing and reflecting the home territory and is instilling those values and that culture and that character and the purposes and the will of the king to the citizens who will then take that and distribute it to the earth and make earth look like heaven. To this governor, he has given nine gifts. And he has given the governor the power to distribute to the citizens as he sees fit, as the governor sees fit. And the nine gifts include utterance gifts, such as wisdom, revelation, and prophecy, power gifts, such as working of miracles, gifts of faith, and gifts of healings. Revelation gifts. He's got these nine gifts that the governor contains, and he says, all right, to you, you're given this gift. And to you, they're going to give this gift. And to you, you're going to have this gift, as he wills. So not as, not as the citizen wills. The citizen doesn't get to go to the Holy Spirit and says, I want to operate in the prophetic. I want a gift of miracles. I want the gifts of faith. No, it's as the Holy Spirit wills. And the Holy Spirit goes to the king and says, this individual, I've given them this gift. And the king says, okay. Now, what are these gifts? These gifts are given for the demonstration and administration of kingdom, authority, and power in a foreign territory. I'll say that again. These gifts are given for the purpose of demonstration and administration of kingdom, authority, and power. Some of y'all are like, I'm not even trying to write it down. You go way too fast. I'm going as slow as I can. 
They are given for the demonstration and administration of kingdom authority and power in a foreign territory. Each one of these gifts solves a problem in the earth with a spiritual solution. Each one of these nine gifts solves a problem in this environment. Now, you know what we've done. We're trying to solve spiritual problems with natural solutions. And each one of these nine gifts is a spiritual solution to correct, rectify, and realign this earth so it looks like heaven. These nine gifts are for the purpose, the simple definition would be, are for the purpose of bringing heaven to earth. Through prophecy, through tongues and interpretation, through a working of miracles, through a gift of faith, through a gift of healings, a working of miracles such as multiplying of food, walking on water, speaking to storms, Gifts of healings, sickness immediately eradicated. Prophecy where we can hear from heaven and hear what the purpose and the plan of God is. Discerning of spirits so we can divide between what is good and what's not. All of these nine gifts are for the purpose of executing and administrating heaven on earth. Bringing his kingdom. I mean, let me put it to you this way. The gifts, are the, spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are the official kingdom work. They are official kingdom business. When you are operating in a gift of the Spirit or when a gift of Spirit is in operation, that is official kingdom business taking place. Y'all with me? Remember, all this is in the lens of the kingdom. There's nothing in this word that, that, that we get to leave out and say, well, it doesn't really have anything to do with government. It doesn't really have anything to do with the kingdom. It doesn't really have anything to do with, it. you know, that, that, that's really just more for Christians. No, this is all, this entire book is about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring, you and I. The entire, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, it's about a king, his kingdom, and his children, royal offspring, you and I. And these gifts of the Spirit are for the purpose of executing, administrating, demonstrating kingdom work in this realm. They are spiritual. They are supernatural. There is nothing you can do naturally to get these gifts. They are, they are spiritual. When we say a word of wisdom, a word of wisdom is not something you can learn. It's not something you can hear through the grapevine. It's not something that you can uh, discern and understand naturally. It only comes by the Spirit. When we talk about a gift of healings, we're talking about a healings that comes and takes place only by the Spirit of God in supernatural. We're not talking about medicine. We're not talking about surgeries. We're not talking about procedures. We're not talking about it just curing itself over time. We're talking about only supernaturally. It was an absolute miracle. I mean, I just had a testimony last night that, that, that uh, uh, something was wrong with an individual. They went back to the doctor. They've been praying. They've been believing. And the doctor came in and said what? It's a miracle. You know what? Miracles are normal to God. 
In Genesis 1 and 2, miracles was how things operated in Genesis 1 and 2. That's all that is. A working of miracles is just a rectifying and realigning back to its original purpose and intent. So the governor has these nine gifts and he distributes to its citizens, to the citizens of the home country in a foreign territory and says, this this territory doesn't have the capacity to change this. This territory doesn't have the capacity to do this. This territory doesn't have the capacity to know this, but I will extend it to you from the home country, from heaven. You can't learn this down there, but I'll reveal it to you. You can't do this down there, but I'll do it for you. You can't change this down there, but I will change it with my influence from heaven. Now, these spiritual gifts cannot be used for personal use, personal gain. We've seen people try to sell miracles. Yeah, sell prophetic words. Can't do it. Samson tried it, didn't he? He used it for personal gain, his strength. Anointed by God, the Spirit of God was upon him. You know, my dad. Uh, you know, he he's retired Air Force and um, and and he worked for the government and he had official government gifts, like a laptop. And he could not use that laptop for personal use. It would be confiscated, and there would probably be other actions that would come along with that. That's government property. The gifts of the Spirit—they are government property. They belong to the king and his kingdom, and you are to use them for kingdom purposes only. But the governor has these gifts, and he's distributing to the citizens, distributing to you and I. Tommy, would you come up? This is not an all-inclusive list. These are the five, six key things that I needed y'all to see. And I hope that we have strengthened the value for the Holy Spirit. When Jesus rose again, he came to his disciples. In John chapter 20, it says that he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And they received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. That'd be, that, that would be a, a sign and a representation of the Holy Spirit, how he comes and he lives within you at salvation. He comes and he lives inside of you. He lives inside of you so he can begin to show you the character and the culture of this kingdom. If you're born again, guess what? You've been born of a new nation. You've been born. There's a home country you need to learn about. There's a home country you need to discover. There's a home country that's backing you. There's a home country that's resourcing you and supporting you. You belong to a different territory. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. But even after he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Moments later, in Acts chapter 1, he says, go and tarry and wait for the promise of the Father. And when he comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses. Jesus didn't do one ministry work, didn't minister one message, didn't preach one sermon until the Holy Spirit descended upon him. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says how Jesus went about doing good. 
because he was submitted to the Father and he was empowered by the Spirit. Let me just pull it up. I didn't have it in my notes, but it just came up. Acts 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with them. How did Jesus do it? Because he was submitted to the Father and he was empowered by the Spirit. In Luke chapter four, just after being uh, tempted of the devil for 40 days, he gets up in the synagogue there and reads out of Isaiah 60. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has what? Anointed me. To set the, cap- to, to set the captive free to heal the brokenhearted, to restore sight to the blind, right? Because of what? Because he received the Spirit. The most important thing man lost in Genesis 3 was the Spirit. And the most important thing that Jesus restored was the Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit inside of you when you're born again. But there is another act subsequent to salvation where the Holy Spirit wants to come upon you. He wants to come live within you and upon you. And he wants to empower you to do kingdom work, to do kingdom ministry, to bring bring the influence of the home country into this foreign territory. So we know in Acts chapter 2, the 120, they're up in that upper room. And you know, they don't know what they're tarrying for. They don't know what they're waiting for. There's no template. They're setting precedent. They're the first ones. And a sound as of a mighty rushing wind fills the room. Tongues as of fire sit upon their head. And then they what? They began to speak with other tongues. Became the evidence of the infilling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.